the Critical Care PRN is dedicated to fostering the role of critical care pharmacists as essential members of the multidisciplinary patient care team. The Critical Care PRN's goal is to optimize drug therapy outcomes by promoting excellence and innovation in clinical pharmacy practice, research, and education. For more information, including how to become a member, go to critprn.accp.com. Again, that website is critprn.accp.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Pharmacy to Dose, the critical care podcast, a partner of the ACP Critical Care PRN and a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I'm your host, Nick Peters. Wherever you are and however you are listening, thank you. And if you are wondering, yes, we are recording live from Dallas, Texas in the beautiful Sheraton Dallas, and sitting across from me right now, the man, the myth, the legend, our conference correspondent, fluid steward, associate professor, UGA, Georgia's own, Anthony Hawkins. What's up, man? Uh, how are we feeling? How are you doing right now? Um, it is good to be live and recording. I'm happy to be in Dallas, um, but my goodness, I am exhausted. Explain to the listeners why you're so tired. Um, I had to get up at 3.30 this morning to catch my flight out of the busiest airport in the nation, only to fly into the fourth busiest airport in the nation (laughs) because I had no idea there was a second option. So first things first. Well, we just learned that when we were talking about the airport itself is like, oh, there are two airports and they're two drastically different airports. Yeah, pro tip to the organization, planning, committee, whatever it is, when they send the email to say early bird registration, this, that, and the other, they give you like three or four hotels. Um, Some of the organizations will tell you how far each hotel is from the conference. Dude, throw us a bone and tell us what airports exist and which one is, you know, proximity, maybe which ones you would recommend. Whatever, because man, that was news to me. Yeah, I got the I got the ACCP website pulled up right now. I will say, although this may be in alphabetical order, I don't think this clears anything up. Dallas Love Field is listed first, but its three letter airport code is different. D A L versus D F W. Either way, I mean, once you look into it, Dallas Fort Worth, it's the fourth biggest airport in the U.S. Uh, the fact is, it's big enough to have its own police and fire department. That's how big the area is. (laughs) And then you have Dallas uh, Love Field Airport. I'm just going to quote. 
It doesn't offer many amenities or comforts. Budget flights was a key word in its description. But it does have an area called the Love Landing, which I think everyone in ID just had a little bit. They just got a little creepy crawly filled with couches and comfy chairs in the airport. So essentially, Anthony flew into the fourth biggest, the best airport, and I flew into the Spirit Airline Airport in <laughs> Dallas, essentially. But the day, the Dallas Love Field Airport was nice. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't compare prices, but when you're on flying on a university budget, um, it's nice to know. I, I mean, I don't know what yours was, but... You know, I had a almost a thirty minute and forty five dollar Uber trip. Actually, I used Lyft because it was a bit cheaper than Uber. Um, but when you're on a on a budget, those little details you know matter. My ride from the airport here was nineteen minutes. Okay, so all right, yeah. And I was fighting an early Monday morning <laughs> rush hour because I landed at eight thirty this morning. Now, how which this... maybe maybe that's why the prices were pristine for the ride share. How does this compare? Because where was it? Where was it last year? Um, last year, both SCCM and ACCP were in San Francisco. San Francisco. So Dallas versus San Francisco. We're not talking about an old NFC championship game. Uh, we're talking about comparing these sites. So what what stood out as like, was there any big picture differences like between San Francisco and being in California? This California versus Texas. That's what this is. San Francisco versus Dallas. Cali <laughs> versus Texas. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I mean, I guess we can first start with the airport. In San Francisco, you're definitely going to have a 45-minute ride because traffic is awful no matter what or what time of day you fly in. Yeah, facts. Um, and in San Francisco, when you go, when you leave your hotel, if you take a left or a right, either way it's dangerous. So I was told when you walk out of the conference hotel here, don't take a left, only take a right. Now, I'm third-handing this, so I don't know the truth behind all that. But Now let's talk about here. All right, so San Francisco, Dallas – the future sites were semi-surprising to me. 2024, classic Phoenix, right? Of course. 2025, Minneapolis. Oh, never been to Minnesota. Minnesota. And then 2027, back to New York. No 2026 yet. Um, now, we were talking. So right now, uh, it's November 13th we're recording this. So mid-November, what are your thoughts on October versus November of the, of the meeting? Um, this is the only time I've ever experienced in November, and hopefully it'll be the last. Um, I have an annual rut vacation. Rut is the peak breeding season for deer. And as most hopefully know, um, that's my love language right there is bow hunting for deer in Georgia. Um, so this definitely was cramping my style and interfered with my with my hunting vacation. Well, uh, luckily for Anthony, maybe unlucky for all the animals living in his area, but all of the future conferences are all scheduled for October. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying that. I do feel like most pharmacy, non-pharmacy, whatever organizations, if they have a quote fall meeting, it is in October. So I think it's really easy to get conference burned out in the month of October. So it's reasonable to have them spaced out, but yeah. move it to September, not November. Whoa. Or just expect me not to be there. Man, September, then you get into like, that's when football starts. There's not a great time. Yeah, October it is. So we're here, Sheraton, Dallas, conference space hotel review. So what did we think? So overall, uh, tall hotel, lots of floors. I know that's not very descriptive, but I think our elevator went up to like the 40-something floor. 29. 
<laughs> it, no, that's that may or may not be true. In Tower One that we are in, it only goes to twenty nine. Regardless, <laughs> it's enough to make your ears pop. Ears pop up and down for sure. Um, I'm actually staying at the conference hotel. Um, no free sponsors, but I typically try to stay at one type of hotel and uh, to earn points and free nights. And uh, shout out to that brand for being this brand's. Uh, Partner, whatever. Either way, um, being on site is amazing. Being on site and not having to walk 10 and 15 minutes to the hotel would recommend. Um, I talked about the conference space being so cold in the mini recap. And then you've been here for, what, essentially eight hours. What are your, <laughs> what were your thoughts on the, on the conference space itself? I don't know if the conference space is large or, I mean, I, I think membership or registration at conferences is down, um, which is disappointing because I love coming to these things to network with folks. Um, it does feel a little empty. Again, I have only been here for eight hours. I've only been to a poster session and the focus session, uh, went to lunch with some folks. Um, so I haven't been around a lot, but it does feel a little empty. It feels a little down, for sure, because this is, we've talked about before, ACCP, it's one of my one of our favorite conferences for networking, right? You have all different types of pharmacists, lots of those who are practicing in critical care, emergency medicine, academia, what have you, but then also colleagues that maybe you went to school with, you did a residency with, et cetera, that aren't in the specialty, and when less people come, it just, you're able to do a little less networking. Now, that being said, still, you know, still seen Plenty of awesome people got to reconnect and connect with new ones as well. Um, I would say that I love that they had coffee. So the when you walked in in the morning sessions, they had like a coffee bar set up where you could have coffee, milk, etc. Would have loved that for a 2 p.m. little pick-me-up there. Um, I didn't try the food or anything on site. I did like, we're talking about Dallas, lots of... Uh, food pretty close, right? We went to a a Mexican restaurant that was like a six-minute walk. Let's talk about the water dispenser here for a second. So I struggled getting the water to dispense. So the first thing I did when Anthony got here, I said, Anthony, go go fill up a cup of water. Let me know how easy it is. What did you think when I told you that? Uh, It's either really difficult or you're just really ready to judge me. (laughs) And I looked over at the water dispenser and someone was getting water. So I had to turn away real fast to make sure that I didn't cheat in any capacity. And then I accepted the challenge. Um, Shout out to Eliza because I don't know you, Eliza, but we networked at the water tower. (laughs) Because when I went there, I mashed a couple buttons. Um, Neither of them worked. You pushed the blue button being like, yeah, blue means cold, right? We want cold water. But that, that was just a blue light for whatever reason. Yeah, there were two different buttons that looked, one was like hot or cold, but it looked very attractive and appealing, like this is what you're supposed to press. And after several presses and feeling extremely ignorant, (laughs) Eliza luckily came to the rescue just waiting. Honestly, she was probably just annoyed because she was ready for her own water. And she's like, it's motion censored. You got to wave your hand. Don't feel bad. I did it yesterday. And I was like, I know that I'm smart enough to figure this out. (laughs) That would be comical just sitting at that table and watching all of these pharmacy legends struggle with getting water from this thing it took me that because then you try to push the button instead of wave your hand in front of it it's like oh is this a key fob like what is this and if 
it would be not as comical to watch if not everybody was in three-piece suits roaming around and still struggling with the water bottle. Yeah, so how quickly did you notice that when you came in? The amount of uh, formal dress, we'll call it. Um, very quickly, because I came in straight from the plane, so I looked like I had just hiked like on a six-mile trailhead because I was in my traveling attire. I definitely caught some eyes and some judgment based because I was wearing a hat and a vest and, you know, comfy, comfy clothes, four-way stretch pants. Shout out to those. Um, but also in general, it's just, man, pharmacy is a little stiff. And it's not just ACCP. It's just pharmacy. Like, loosen the tie. We, we, you could tell you're at a pharmacy conference by the sheer number of full suits that you see when you walk into, like, a big room. And for a second, because I noticed that staunchly on Sunday, and... I was like, let me come back the next day, because that was the awards yesterday, right? A lot of people got awarded. We'll highlight some of them again, but, you know, okay. Pictures being taken, I get that. Like, I'm, I probably still wouldn't, but I completely understand the idea of doing that there. Um, Folks, we're at this conference to learn. To learn. We do not expect students to come to class to learn every day in a three-piece. Like, it's not professional dress day every day. We need to live up to the same standards we have for them. If we need to have a single professional dress day, then sure, if that needs to be the award ceremony. But do we need to research this? Professional identity formation. We need to practice what we preach. You know what? I might. You might see a survey. We're gonna get to the bottom of this. This is because I mean, you know what? We gotta say it. So I asked the 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 multiple choice question of uh of what Brian Gilbert wore his uh, and even he wore a suit. Hey, I'm glad you said it before I did because he is one of the biggest advocates of make pharmacy less formal, and he still wore a suit. We love you, Brian, and we're teasing you, but it's just one of those things of, um, I think it starts with us. That's why when you see Anthony and I, um, I, I try to dress casual to give the air that that's okay. Um, as we kind of go through, so we went through the poster hall. And uh, shout out to, man, there are some awesome posters. Talked about a few of them. Um, Very excited to have a pharmacist research highlight episode from here. And there's going to be tons and tons to choose from. All right. I'm going to give you, Anthony, I'm going to let you vote. The listeners are going to vote. But I'm going to give you four best research names or study names, study acronyms. Figure out the best way to phrase that. But you know what I mean. The first, inhale, inspiring health advances in lung care, alert ICU, adult iatrogenic withdrawal study in the ICU, slowing the beat, evaluation of remdesivir-associated bradycardia, and optum, optimizing pharmacist team integration for ICU patient management. Um, Optum immediately makes me think of Transformers. And Scott Ballesta, I want to know, were you the mastermind behind Alert ICU? That's a great name. Great name. We'll catch him today, but... uh, You know what? While while we're here. That's... Okay. So, we'll let the listeners know, uh, the way the schedule works out is we... The business meeting is happening after this. So, we're going to record the meat of this... And then there'll be a portion after the business meeting. So 
all right, follow up. That's our homework. Man, normally I assign homework. Look at you assigning homework. Um, I hate that slowing the beat is a COVID study because I love it. But remdesivir just does not get me excited. But I think that's, <laughs> that may be my vote. We're going to put this to another vote. So shout out everybody. Um, poster hall. Poster hall. Um, what do you think of the, of the area of the setup? Um, I pay higher prices to grocery shop at Publix because they have wider aisles for traffic to go both ways smoothly. The problem with the poster sessions is that they look, you know, when the room is, is empty and you're setting up your poster, the, the, the aisles are extremely wide. But when you've got somebody standing at a poster to present and then you have people crowding around them to listen and you have that happen on both sides of the aisle, then if you want to walk down the aisle, you best believe you're going to have to turn around and wrap around the other side. So it is not at all conducive to window shopping when there are posters getting a lot of love. They had the space too. It's a, it was a big room. Um, but yeah, I agree. And especially in the area of poster rounds and the idea that a lot of times it feels like, you know, groups are going through looking at posters and sometimes posters in similar specialties can be grouped together. So you can have these bunches of people trying to see, you know, one or two posters, um, in that same area. Um, I'm kind of wondering, so they do the way that the annual meeting does it is they essentially have a 90-minute poster session on each day of the conference, Sunday or uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Um, so clearly a decent number. Um, they had them into the hundreds, um, some great ones for sure. Um, I always think these, uh, especially when you see, there was a lot of really notable student research, I felt like, that was... Um, that felt meaningful and, um, you know, that they not only had to do a lot of work, research in general is a lot of work, but it felt like it was something that, you know, it was a well, very well thought out idea, contributing a unique piece to the literature, those kinds of things. Um, I thought ACCP, typically the, the uh, poster presenters do a great job of that. Yeah, and I, I, I like the poster sessions for a lot of different reasons. I, I have to get your opinion on this, Nick. When you do you get a feel that a lot of people that come to conferences when they see poster session on the agenda, is that like, oh, that's my time. I'm gonna run get a coffee or a nap or go pack to plan for my trip home, or you feel like people see that the same as like an educational session? That's a great question. I feel like I, I can't answer that how I do now because the poster sessions I get excited about now. Not only does it feel like you get to see people, but there's great research ideas, those studies that you get that I get to highlight here. But I know before this, that's how I treated it because a lot of times you may be coming for CE or, or whatnot and it, that can be jam-packed and that might be, it might feel like based on your schedule or something, the only 60 or 90 minutes you get. And is that why, what do you think is the solution to, to changing that? Cause I think that may be, I think that may be a real thing. Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, I mean, it seems like a kind of outdated way to present new information, but it's also, a, it creates a very good social environment. But if you're an introvert like that and you're at a conference, maybe by yourself or maybe with one other person, um, it can be a little bit intimidating if you go into a room that's got a lot of people crammed and you got to walk around and 
make weird, awkward eye contact, you know, with the person standing in front of the poster, like, hey, you going to come talk to me? Do you want me to give you my elevator speech? You know, that dance. That yeah, dance. like, what, what does that look like? Um, so I think that can be a little bit overwhelming. I used to definitely think I'm going to, you know, go socialize, network with friends because I didn't know the value of, of the poster sessions. And then I found myself as an early faculty member, like I would bring home or I would keep the published abstracts, the ACCP book, yep. because it would A, give me research ideas, or B, if I already had a research idea, I could see if other people were doing similar things and then I could learn from those. Collaborator. Yeah. And so that, I think, really changed my perspective. When I, when I realized that I was referencing the ACCP abstract book several times a year, I'm like, man, I should actually start like going to these things in person. And then today, um, you know, you were standing at a, at a poster just because it was somebody that you actually met yesterday when y'all were doing professor walk rounds. That's exactly right. Shout out Sarah Blackwell. Um, and it turned out it was on fluid stewardship. It was on de-resuscitation using albumin and, and loops. Um, and so one, you know, she was presenting research. I think maybe that she had said that one of her former residents had, had done that she was, that she had mentored. I something. think that was the story. Yep. And similarly, I've had two residents in the past three or four years and that were, that was their research question. And so we talked, we compared, you know, ideas in terms of what we decided on our methodology and exchanged contact information. And we're hopefully going to combine our data to make one lar- you know, much larger um, study. Um, so it's it's those types of things um, that I think is is really impactful. And you know, you mentioned um, kind of um, chunking the poster topics like all critical care, all emergency medicine, et cetera. I kind of like that they space them out. It forces me to go search for them because then it forces me to pass other posters that I otherwise probably wouldn't have walked by. A hundred percent. I'm wondering if. It, it can be so hard to try to sort through the posters like online and things like beforehand. I don't know if that contributes, um, but it definitely feels like it's a, a, a missing, missing opportunity for some, cause you, it might, people may feel like it, like that's the case, like you were saying, but definitely some, I like that we're seeing all kinds of unique posters as well. I think I saw a quilt out there today <laughs> as well. Um, but I like that we're not getting the same, cookie cutter, like the classic poster. Everyone envisioned the exact same poster we're thinking of, of the two columns on the far right and left, the big table in the middle. Um, so I like that there's getting a little variety in there. Not that I don't like that, right? But we don't need 120 of those. Yeah, and back in the day, you'd walk around and you'd take a 1,000 pictures with your phone of all the posters and think, oh, I'm going to go back and read those later. Absolutely just build up, never look at them again. So I love the QR codes, um, that you can, you know, reference at another point because, man, that would take up some space on your phone. I think even before the photos was, people were, remember the printed copy? Oh, do you remember? It was a whole thing. You had to have 100 copies. You probably gave, what, 10 to 20 of those? It was like a business card when you were a PGY1. It was like trying to just give them away to anyone <laughs> that comes by. Like, you want five? You're like the guy flipping the cards in Vegas. On <laughs> Yeah, and I don't have my name tag in front of me, but I think, Maybe that would be smart is to have a QR code on our name tag. And then oh. instead of having, you know, like even today at the poster, I think you said Sarah. Yeah. That like, would be I got to keep up with that business card to touch base with her. So I really like my, if, if when that happens, I just send an email today and be like, hey, I'm in your inbox. This is a reminder for later because absolutely no chance I'm going to keep that thing. 
But great, great research. Shout out to everybody that brought posters. And I like that you're starting to see one of the abstract themes I saw was more multi-site, more collaboration, less. I mean, there will still be single center retrospective studies and they have their place definitely, but um, it's not 99% of those. I think we're seeing a lot more different designs as, as we should kind of moving forward. So really cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about the sessions here for a sec. Um, so got to start with the Critical Care PRN. Shout out to favorite, favorite sponsor. Um, and the focus session today, all female lead, right? Three women speakers and, of course, UGAC3, Anthony's colleague Susan Smith moderating. Um, so the uh, name, chill out. Targeted temperature management updates and controversies in the ICU. So a couple things that I liked from some of these speakers. So first things first, Jolie Gallagher, the first speaker, uh, Emery Zone, one of Anthony and I's favorites. So we're biased when we say she's one of the absolute best. Um, I would say that she had one of the most important notes in the whole study talking about she, she reviewed the landmark studies, but then she also talked about the racial and ethnic disparities in TTM and, and therapeutic hypothermia research and the gaps and what we need to be doing. Um, it was something that in all the TTM talks that I've heard, I've never really heard highlighted. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And also shout out Julie because she had to keep saying shockable and non-shockable and targeted temperature management and therapeutic hyperthermia, hypothermia. I literally said it once and I messed it up. And <laughs> Jolie did it the whole time and I don't think she messed it up um, once. So shout out to Jolie. All the tongue twisters um, crushed it in front of everybody. I said she needed a bat flip. Um, like the famous uh, Blue Jays player when he like did the crazy bat flip. I said, you should have taken your papers and just threw them in the air when you were done. Jolie did not, but... Than she should have. <laughs> yeah, my big takeaway, and it kind of goes back directly to the um, racial ethnic disparities, is bystander CPR. And certainly in that like patient cohort, but also just in general, so many opportunities to improve just general awareness to do CPR. Yeah, the, uh, the next speaker, Caitlin Landoff, highlighted... So she highlighted our pharmacokinetics and she pointed out something that I don't, I think I may have thought, but it wasn't necessarily laid out in that sense that like essentially all of our PK studies in TTM are done in animals, specifically rats was what she mentioned. So cool, cool. Hate that. Hate that. We're just like, what, what happens in rats is what happens to us. Are we rats now? (laughs) (laughs) I like the pun that you just threw in there. Cool, cool. Um, oh, I ain't even. There we go. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, PKPD is very interesting because, I mean, obviously you're putting the patient in hibernation, so everything's going to slow down. Um, drug half lives are going to be prolonged in general. I mean, I'm getting on a soapbox here because I've done some work and I'm, you know, I, I love this this space. Um, but yeah, you don't. I mean, cooling is going to impact your PKPD. And then you're going to have a lot of organ dysfunction just from the cardiac arrest in general that further augments it. Yep. And then it's going to be different whether you're cooling to 33 versus 36 versus just preventing fever. But then if your patient is shivering, that increases your metabolic demand. Um, 
So, yeah, I think there's just, I mean, we're not pigs. We're not rats. I was, some, one of the speakers talked about um, piglets. So I was hoping, <laughs> well, hoping for a picture there you, of a you, piglet. If you were wondering, if you were there and you're like, who are these boys giggling? That was Anthony and I trying not to, <laughs> but when they said newborn piglet. I don't know why I giggled. I thought it was funny. I think that was, I think that was the, I think that was our uh, cleanup speaker, Kat Spazano. I think that's what she kind of led with. Um, and she reviewed, I liked that this, um, the, the critical care peer and focus session for this TTM talk, it started fairly broad and then it kind of kept getting a little narrower in its scope as the talk went on. So I thought that was uh, really cool, but, um, ending Caspizano and number one, uh, shout out to Cas, she thanked us, right? I think that's the first guest that thanked us for our time. So, uh, Thank you for your time as well. But we reviewed the uh, sedation and analgesia, or she reviewed the sedation and analgesia used in those TTM landmark trials, and it was a different time. Yeah, that's the big thing is, you know, all of those old studies, they paralyzed everyone with a pancuronium infusion. I have never used pancuronium. I was literally about to ask you that. I've never used pancuronium. (laughs) I know there's going to be people that have. I have not. Nope. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, that's the big question is do you sedate them or not? Um, You know, the whole point in doing hypothermia is to get better neurologic outcomes and you only do it in comatose patients. If they start waking up, then maybe you already have that outcome. But there was a pretty provocative talk at, um, at SCCM that looked at some other literature that, you know, may suggest maybe it's your downtime and your downtime may influence your decision to cool and to what temperature to cool to. The The other thing I want to point out from um, Kat's presentation is um, when she reviewed trials, I loved her slide design. It was very visually appealing where it had essentially like four squares on, on each of them. The squares had different colors and then the, in the middle, a square popped up with like kind of the big takeaway from it, I thought that was cool. I think anytime you can kind of um, add some variety to what we're used to, I always enjoy that. So, but shout out to uh, shout out to all three of these. It was such an awesome job, and being tasked with doing that from three thirty to five, the post lunch that's standing between us and happy hour, all those things. I thought they it was strong, strong work um, from everyone involved. Really, really great job. Uh, thinking of like the unique sessions, um, we had talked about this at SECM, some le- less, less unique sessions from what I could find. So they do have the clinical pharmacy challenge, which sounds amazing. And essentially you have schools of pharmacy competing for each other against each other. Shout out to the university of Missouri, Kansas city school of pharmacy who won. Yeah. Woo. Um, now then they also had the clinical pharmacy career path round table and, Essentially, it was speed dating, but it was talking about pharmacy careers. And every the all the participants went to different tables every 15 minutes. And you're talking to people in, I believe it was 17 different clinical specialties to get their, their opinion, their real advice, right? Not sugar-coated and things. So um, that sounds really cool. Talk about a unique opportunity that where else can you float from Amcare to Hemong to... EM, ICU, right, to cardiology, all the things in between. Um, My last question, all right, so you have the clinical reasoning series that offers recertification credits for BCPS and the critical care uh, BCCCP. Does 
getting BPS recertification make it a unique session or an appealing session? Um, hot take. I do not believe in getting CEs to recertify. I am a big fan of retesting every seven years. All right. Uh, me too. Me too. I don't think I've shared this. All right. So I'll tell my, I'll tell the story. <laughs> so I took the, I took the EM and, and I took the critical care recertification exam. So, um, I, I did it on the Labor Day bookended weekend and I was like, okay, I'll kind of study for one. Um, and then I'll have the other few days to like review for one. So I've studied for the emergency medicine all the way up. And if you've taken these BPS exams, you know, 24 hours before they send you an email. A reminder, right? Just letting you know where you're going, all the things you need, et cetera. So I'm writing down the address and I look and it says, hmm, this says critical care exam on it. <laughs> I studied. Not only did I study for the wrong test. Now, if I was going to screw it up, right? Critical care training, that was the way for me to do it. But not only did I study for the wrong test, then I got sick. I got sick over the weekend. I'm trying to take the EM exam on Tuesday. What a disaster. I, I was cursing recertification in the moment, but if I had seven years of PSAP, I think I'd be cursing way more. Yeah, I, I am not an organized person in general. No. Um, so keeping up with all of it um, and continuing to dump money into it year after year, month after month, um, it is just more of a hassle on my plate. And so a one-stop shop every seven years is an easy fix. Um, all right, so same idea with what we did with the research poster titles, but let's do it with session titles. So um, in the previous episode, we'll start off with, so status traumaticus, right? That's the first unique session. I, I told the listeners that. There are two more, and I want you to tell me which one you think is uh, your favorite. You're in the spotlight, but it's not you're in, it's urine in the spotlight and a change would do you good. And by the way, when I say that, hopefully your mind went to a change will do you good, do you good. Yeah. That's what I thought. All right. Out of those three, what do we think? Anthony's like, neither Nick, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. I mean, I like the urine, but it's a play on words that you've, I mean, maybe just I'm biased because in the fluid stewardship realm, I've made the joke a couple times Oh, is I, this I old? Oh, is this the idea that I just sent you a meme that you've already seen or something? You're like, I've already seen this. Yeah, it's one of those things. <laughs> All right, so you got our votes. You'll be sure uh, the listeners will be able to vote for these. Um, I'll uh, I'll send some some fun things to uh, the the whoever presented either the poster or the session title for who wins. So um, stay tuned for that. Now. Uh, Anthony and I were having a spirited debate. Let's talk about it for a second. And we were talking about the best conference bag. And the funny thing is we switched. So Anthony used to be a laptop bag only, and I had the big old bulky backpack. And we come to the conference and we switched. So Anthony, why is the backpack? Why is that the bag that you should bring to a conference? At SCCM last year, the last time we were at a conference together, we stayed at a hotel. It was one of those things. It was like two miles uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah. And we stopped for breakfast one morning, and I went ahead and like got 
two breakfast sandwiches or a sandwich and a muffin so I could have a snack later. You got two breakfast sandwiches and a muffin. Don't let him lie to you. <laughs> and a coffee, and I had my bottle of water, and I had my laptop bag. And I'm yeah. like, hey, Nick, can I put some of this stuff in your backpack? And, and I realized... What did I lovingly do, by the way? Yeah, and I realized then I got to make a change. And so that was in that was January. And then I think it was in February or March... Um, soon after I got back, I had Aubrey, uh, she was a student then she's a resident now. She was on rotation with me, um, in the ICU. And she's like, you have a different backpack every day because after that dilemma that I had, I bought like 17 backpacks off Amazon and I, and I, and I, I wore one for two days Every day that month to figure out which, like, what features I liked versus hated. Are you telling us that you have 17 backpacks at your house right now? Oh, man. Return. Free, <laughs> free, free delivery, free returns. If that's not an option, I'm not chancing it. Um, so I, I'm, today, this trip is the first conference I've ever attended, and I brought a backpack. And I, when I first got here, and I gave you a hug to say, you know, good to see you, brother. You have a freaking laptop bag. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's Anthony's push. And, and I had to carry your Stanley cup. <laughs> I know. Shout out Stanley gang, by the way. But my, so my perspective is I was tired of carrying that big backpack everywhere. And I feel like if you're strategic enough, you can make a laptop bag happen. Now you're right. You can't bring McDonald's with you in your bag. <laughs> Correct. That is, wait, is it a book bag or a backpack? You know, funny you say that because I went to text you about that earlier and I wrote out book bag and I realized, man, I am not 90 years old. So I deleted it and changed it to backpack because who carries books? Anymore? Yeah, you're only in your 80s. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one of the last things that we wanted to kind of recap is let's talk about some of the award winners and specifically the fellows because we had uh, 27 pharmacist fellows inducted, five critical care uh, PRN members. Uh, Stephanie Bass, Mojda Hevner, Andrea Sikora, Zach Smith, Melissa Thompson-Baston. Remember, all friends of the pod, all have been featured on previous episodes. So love that, love highlighting them, and uh, what an awesome, awesome achievement. Another winner that happened from when we last recorded... Shout out Abby Kramer. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right, Abby. Uh, PGY2 critical care resident from Wake Med Health. First place in the ACCP Visual Abstract Challenge. Congrats, Abby. Speaking of saying last names wrong, um, <laughs> hand up. Nick screwed up. Um, and... Uh, it is Brad Boucher, not Brad Boucher. That was like maybe the second thing Anthony told me when he saw me. He was like, yo, just so you know. Um, <laughs> should have just texted people instead of scouring YouTube videos. Brad, very, very sorry. But yes, Brad Boucher. For the record, I'm not going to edit the episode. I will live in that mistake. But Brad, please don't uh, uh, let that take away from how much we uh, appreciate and honor all you've done for the critical care and pharmacy world. Easy mistake to make. Um AACP, American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy, was in Chicago several years ago. And I um, went with Brad to a Cubs game. And I sat beside him, had a long discussion, hung out with him, talked about his new grandkids, lots of different things. Um, and that is the only reason I confidently called you out in terms of his name. 
Yep. Hey, I, I'm not perfect. You all know that egg <laughs> on my face. So I will accept it. Um, as we kind of wrap up with like awards FCCP, the only other thing that stood out to me is the FCCP is the day before the conference starts. So there are some people that if they had to present on Tuesday and they're a new fellow, they're expected to be here for essentially five days. That's so long. That's such a long time, especially if you have like a family that you're going home to. So I'm just wondering maybe if that's why, maybe if they put it in the middle, um, there might be a few more people. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Like, do you think the, like that, the, do you think that matters at all that it's on the, like before the conference starts? Yeah. I I mean, I think again, everybody's trying to be budget friendly and yeah, yeah, when you have a conference that's five days long, um, yeah, you're here for the long stretch, and you know it's tough to be a to be away that that long, um, and especially when the conference agenda on the last day, like tomorrow, I think stuff goes on until like three or five o'clock. There are so many good sessions. I have to leave. You look your 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 sessions tomorrow. Save the best for the last, right? Yeah, I know they <laughs> they literally. There's so many good posters and, and sessions tomorrow. It's it's a bummer, but yeah, I just can't. Couldn't swing an extra day. But, yeah, shout out. I don't get to talk about fluid stewardship tomorrow because I wasn't asked to do that, but just stewardship, like, in the most basic sense. Um, the nuts s- and bolts of it. The nut, there you go. From theory to bedside. You know, funny story, actually. Uh, Nick's talking about what's the best um, <laughs> session titles. And he says, man, theory to bedside, that's not actually very exciting. I'm like, oh, that's funny. It's actually the title of the paper that, <laughs> that we published in AJHP. Egg on and face. And that's where they Egg pulled it. I'm like, face. man. <laughs> Kick me while I'm down, brother. <laughs> oh, all right. On that note, we are heading now to the Critical Care Peer and Business Meeting. So stay tuned. When you come back, we're going to recap that, whatever happened at night. Final thoughts, don't go anywhere. And no longer at the Sheraton Dallas, uh, this is part two of the 2023 ACP annual recap. Nick Peters here, and of course, conference correspondent Anthony Hawkins is not across the room from me. He's semi across the country from me. But he's still coming in loud and clear. Anthony, how are you, brother? I'm good, man. It's not east to west, but I do think it's fair to say I'm across the country. You're in the north and I'm in the south. I mean, the fact that I, it, I, it's not appealing to try to drive to where you live in one day, that's far from me. Because you know me, I'm a Midwest guy. I'll drive just about anywhere. You did drive to Huntsville for the wedding, and that was a little bit surprising. But I think it's only like a six-hour drive. But, I mean, Huntsville's another five hours from me, so I get it. That's how you know... Someone's from the Midwest. It's 12 or under. First thing I'm thinking is driving. And I know yeah. you tell people from the south or the east, they're like, wait, four hours? There's not a flight? <laughs> um, so, uh, listeners, apologies for the delay. Uh, more of an explanation at the end of uh, tomorrow's special holiday episode of what's been going on. But Anthony and I are here uh, to recap the Critical Care PRN Business Meeting Part so it's part two of the episode. So there's already, we did record um, pre-business meeting, but we want to kind of recap what happened at the at the business meeting, but also some of the shenanigans on the last night of the meeting, as well as Anthony will let us know what happened on the last day of the conference. So 
Starting off, big picture thoughts of the peer and business meeting, Anthony. What are you? What were you thinking? Um, probably one of my favorite things about the conference overall um, is is the business meeting. Get to see a lot of folks that you're on committees with. You know, it really brings networking. Really, like you see people in real life you've been working with over the past year or so. Um, yeah, just one of, one of my favorite parts. And what you realize, I think, is that's one of the more reliable times where you're going to be able to see most people because everyone's so busy at these conferences. There's so many conflicts that the business meetings or those kinds of things are one of the few times where you're able to get kind of almost everybody in the, in the room together. That's so it's always really cool. And then what, um, you were saying, um, they even have an option, right. For those who aren't in the room to like participate. Yeah, somebody drew the short straw and they were sitting at the front table by the podium holding a phone doing live live streaming on Facebook. Or I don't know what I don't know what avenue. I'm pretty sure it was Facebook, but they live streamed it for folks that couldn't attend. So it's definitely nice. When it was over, I asked, I said, Did did we have like a tripod or anything, or did they hold the phone the whole time? So maybe we'll look to to donate something for future PR and business meeting recordings. But but um pe- you know, people were watching, it was a success. So you were even able to keep up with with what was happening, even if you weren't in the room. And speaking of the room, great room. Uh, Heavy hors d'oeuvres was absolutely right. Like if you were a resident or a student there, that was a that was a great substitute dinner for sure. Um, what were you scale of one to five? How would you how would you rank the the food? Um, I'm going to give it a solid five. That's definitely the bad part. If you're not there, you didn't get to enjoy that pork belly or the chicken shawarma on the stick because that stuff was, it was good. Well, and I didn't even realize too, the, it looked like it was just like a, a thing of pork belly, but, but you look next to it and then you realize that there's these, the, the bow buns and they were so, so good. Um, free beer and wine as well. Uh, definitely tried to spread the word to everyone that we saw that that was happening. Um, I did, Anthony, I don't know if you do this, so I call it the wedding tip move. So when I go to a wedding, I'm going to let everyone in on a secret, especially those who are like, if you're in your peak wedding phase where like you're in your 20s and 30s and you're, you're banging weddings out, you know, you have two or three a month. The move is to tip the bartender heavy early, right? They remember you then. Everyone tips once fives, but if you go early with like a 20, 10, if maybe it's just beer, um, they're going to come to you, right? They're going to remember that. So I will say I did that to that bartender at the PRN uh, business meeting. Unnecessary move. <laughs> did not need to do the wedding tip move at the business meeting. Uh, turns out weddings, people get after drinks and cocktails a little bit more than business meetings at a national pharmacy conference, which makes sense. Yeah. Very similar tip to valet parking. If you tip them before they like take your car and park it, you will get phenomenal parking. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, fun things that started. I had never seen this before. There was a quiz to start out in the beginning. So, Anthony, did you have inside info? Did you know that was going to happen at all? I think I remember them doing it last year also. Um, uh, Kahoot, I think is the, is the quiz name. So it's like very competitive. You got to get the right answer and you got to get it in timely. Like you got to get it in first. Um, and then they keep the score and display it after every answer. And I was sitting between you and Jolie, who <laughs> all three of us are, you know, former Emory residents, all three of us are great friends. 
And, and we're not competitive at all. Not three of us are not competitive. I had a plate full of pork belly with um, no no bow, bow buns or whatever you called them. Um, you and Jolie were really getting after it, and I thought y'all were you were helping her out. But I think that, I think y'all were like cutthroat right there. I didn't. I didn't. Jolie, I love Jolie. It was great seeing Jolie. I didn't. I didn't cutthroat her. I'm just not gonna. Hey. All is fair in in, uh, in trivia, right? I wasn't, I, I didn't try to sabotage anything, but I put my answer in first before I try to, right? It's like if you're on an airline, what do they say? You put your own mask on first. I'm going to answer my own question, then I'll help others around. Can't take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself. Exactly, right. exactly. So yeah. the the two learners at the beginning, ooh, when that first question closed and more than half the room didn't get to answer. I thought there was going to be a riot. Like they were able to, to reel it back in, but I was nervous there um, for a second. I feel like there needed a little more instructions, um, but shout out to them. Sur- like adapt, survive in advance. I thought they did a great idea. Now, Anthony, do you happen to remember who the winners were? Um, I know that it wasn't Jolie and it was you. That's how I felt like it was cutthroat because she was doing great. And then somehow you surpassed, but I think, it, I don't know if it was a three-way tie. For definitely first. was, definitely was the only okay. time that you could ever say Nick Peters and Judy Jacoby and Kelly Keats all in the same sentence, right? The, those two women are in a class of their own, but three-way winners were all on the medal stand at the PRN business meeting uh, quiz scores. But you had, the, you had the plate full of pork belly. You were living your best life because you knew what was coming. And for those who maybe aren't up on their emails, you may not know, Anthony is a winner. That's exactly right. The Critical Care PRN Education Award winner. Long time coming. We're going to leave it at that. But how do you feel, Anthony? Do you feel different now that you're, you won the education award? Um, I, am, I am thankful. I am blessed for the opportunities. And um, like you said, it, it's, I don't want to say that I deserve it specifically. Um, but I will say, based on some of the drama that went down several years ago when I I think first applied. I think, I think at that point it was the new educator award and there was some shadiness around it, but nonetheless it comes full circle and yeah, very thankful. Shout out to, um, Aaliyah and I think Susan, Trisha, Andrew Darley, several people that wrote my letters of nomination and support. So really thankful for those folks. So what are your thoughts if I were to propose a time limit for award introductions? How would that make you feel? Would you be pro or against that? Well, considering you had a, I'm glad your video that you took wasn't live streamed. Um, I think it was as red as my UGA shirt. My face was apparently. Um, but yeah, I think some of them got a little lengthy. And also I think in general, I mean, it's the probably the chair or the vice chair of the um, recognition award, committee. of the award yeah. recognition committee that does the presentations. I think I would, I would really like to see somebody that knows the award winner personally, or has any involvement with them in relation to the award being given to present it may seem a little bit more personal and, and genuine as opposed to, you know, obviously the script that they put together kind of piecemealing together some of the um, letters of rec. Well, I agree. And 
And sometimes too, if, if you just go up there and you haven't really seen that script before, maybe you saw it a week or two before, sometimes those can be actually kind of hard to read because they can be so wordy, right? Like the, for whatever reason, hospitals and colleges have to have a minimum of like eight names with them now. Um, but yes, not taking away from anything, but just an, an idea. I completely agree. Um, and I think that just makes it more personal when someone you know or someone who is involved is able to like present it to you. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, let's go through, I want to, let's, let's go through and kind of shout out a few of the award winners and by a few, we're going to go through all eight of them. So hang tight here, folks. So, uh, hit the education award winner, of course, our conference correspondent, Anthony Hawkins research award winner. Wow. UGA C3 zone. And of course, friend of the pod, Andrea Sikora. A clinical practitioner award, Heather Torbick, out of the Cleveland Clinic. We've definitely featured research of her on literature review series. The Achievement Award, the amazing Joanna Stallings from Nashville, of course, on the ICU Liberation episode. Mentor of the Year Award, one of my favorite awards. Zach Smith, recent friend of the pod, Pulmonary Hypertension Part 2. And then the Junior Investigator of the Year Award, uh, Kelly Keats. So that was awesome. She's just bringing in hardware left and right. She's like, I'm going to win the quiz. Give me this award. Um, and then publication of the year awards. I love as somebody who sometimes can't make decisions. So you just dole out two of them. I love that we, um, cause there were two awesome studies that have the potential to really change critical care pharmacy in our practice. And that is the uh, alert ICU study and the MRC ICU investigators. Uh, The alert ICU study led by Scott Balesta and the MRC ICU uh, led by Andrea Sikora. You know, as I said that, knowing that Andrea got two of those awards, I had talked to her. I wanted her to get a picture where she copied the Dwight Schrute from The Office, where he has the two awards that he's kind of holding up that says, like, uh, Employee of the Month. So, Andrew, if you're listening, you could still take a picture and send it. I would, We would love that. Um, but awesome award winners. Eight awards. I love Unique. I love that it feels like it's a mix of uh, people at all uh, parts of their kind of career. So, uh, kudos, awesome achievements. Um, all right. Fun notes from the business meeting. All right. What are Anthony, is there any, any kind of notable things you want to talk or chat about before we go, uh, go to post business meeting happenings? Well, I think in the first half of this recording, when we were both in Dallas, you, um, had a homework assignment to figure out, um, if Scott came up with the acronym for the alert ICU study, and you got to follow up on that at the PRM business meeting. Um, This is the saddest. What you you find out there. This is the saddest news to report. Scott (laughs) did not come up with the alert ICU name, but shout out to Scott for, uh, there was no hesitation. He came out right away and said that, that he didn't make it. But Anthony and I, um, I think we were sincere in our um, bummed outness, if that's an actual word, which I know it's not, um, that he didn't. But what a great idea. You know, the, the new AI, these study names better start getting more um, acronymy and fun because, like, what else are we using that chat GPT AI software for if it's not to create awesome titles? Yeah, for sure. The other fun thing that I learned was... Um, 
So like you mentioned, Andrea got two awards, one of them not for herself specifically, but representing the MRC ICU team, which includes Kelly. And Andrea and <laughs> Kelly left after the ACCP meeting and flew to Chile to give presentations at, at their critical care conference related to AI and research and that type of thing. So shout out again to just all the great things that that, that research really is is really doing. Wow, that's amazing. Going to Chile too. Uh, that's what what a cool place to be able to go present research. Um, I love that they highlighted um, that there were four previous ACCP presidents I guess previous and, and semi-current in the room. Um, I thought that that was really cool. The thing that also stood out to me, um, Anthony, was the rejection rates of, they, they talked about, the, they kind of did a review of the ACCP journals. Did anything stand out from that rejection rate percentage that they talked about? Um, I, I, I mean, I took a picture and tweeted it from there, I think maybe from the UGA C3 account. But I, I mean, in general, pharmacotherapy, I think it's been pretty consistently a rejection rate in the 80, um, 80, 85-ish percent. I did not know JACCP, but it was it came in, I think, at 55, 56 percent. So all of those folks, whether you're a new researcher or established, um, if you're established, you've been rejected many times already. If you're newer, stay encouraged you are definitely not alone in the rejection bucket. Yeah, the the funny thing as somebody who, right, hand up, I don't necessarily uh, submit manuscripts to a whole lot of journals. When that, that 56% rate came up, boy, I saw about six people's heads turn around of like, I think there's going to be an abundance of papers that we're looking for a home that are going to be getting submitted to JACCP with this coin flip projection rate. So, but hey, high quality papers from all the people that were in that business meeting. So it feels like a win, win, win. Um, best case scenario, of course. Um, and then, so... Most of the time at business meetings, right, um, you go through your business, right? You go through all the topics. At the end, right, they say, okay, this is, this is time for open, open forum, open discussion. Does anyone have anything to say? Anthony, what would you say the rate that somebody actually goes up and says something meaningful or really, like, honestly, anything at all? What, what, how often does that happen, would you say? Um, at the PRN business meeting, I think it's always a hundred percent because either Ty or Rob, who were not there, yep, uh, both of, one of them two always have something to say. But I will say, most people, when it's open forum, they just like sit at their seat and make the comment or ask the question, you know, pose the idea, whatever it is, to spark discussion. That wasn't the case this year. Yeah, what happened this year? Um, Bill Dager with the big flex, he just stood up and walked to the mic, <laughs> just took over the podium a and said, a power walk and a power stance at the mic. That was his, that was his podium there when he was talking. I liked it, commanded the attention. Yeah. Just so y'all know the way that guidelines will be written from now on will be different. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, right. Essentially is saying that. Because he, he mentioned how, you know, in the PADIS guidelines, they have mm, like 20 to 30 PICO questions. Um, they're now going to have, the guidelines are going to have a maximum of five PICO questions. Five. And they'll have more frequent updates, more focused updates, but less comprehensive. So the example he made was, uh, 
it sounds like Judy Jacoby is one of the authors on the hyperglycemia and the critically ill guidelines was what he referenced. And it sounds like they're going through and doing the five Pico questions. So I'm curious. And then, yeah. And then he kind of just went back, right? <laughs> he dropped this bomb and then just left. And I'm kind of curious what this is going to mean. What, what, what this is going to mean like for us in, in practice, like, does smaller updates more frequently help us more? Probably. I feel like it may be less satisfying to us though. Yeah. I think it makes better um, continuing ed presentations for residents at, you know, other different like local state, even maybe even national conferences. You know, I think residents um, love to, if they have to choose their own CE topic, they love to find something that's a little bit more straightforward, like a new guideline update. And if you have guidelines with 40 PICO questions, your entire hour is just, here's the question, here's the recommendation, uh, and maybe how it changed from last year or the last rendition. But if there's only five, now they either can't do that topic or they're going to spend an hour talking about five PICO questions. So they really do have to address the literature and the controversy surrounding it. So I think um, downstream, it will lead to um, more thorough discussion of the of the stuff, as opposed to just because it's so overwhelming, just the more shallow breeze through. That's actually that that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. All right, that actually makes me feel better about it. But yeah, so uh, more to come there. Um, and then you know they also mentioned that the PRN is creating a group um, to do a, a systematic review of TTM. And it sounds like it might be um, a somewhat similar process to the management of the critically ill pregnant patient, right? Both complications of pregnancy and ICU disease states. Um, Can't wait to see this awesome review. I mean, Anthony, you were an author on the pregnancy paper, and that's incredible. And it sounds like if this is going to be more of an annual thing, we're going to get some awesome systematic reviews coming courtesy of the critical care PRN. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, again, shout out to anybody that's thinking about getting involved in the PRN. It is a great way to obviously network. We talk about that a lot on here and elsewhere, but it's also a great way to get published and, you know, networking in that regard from a more scholarly perspective. You know, we were on a a monthly, a bi-monthly business call and someone brought up the critically ill pregnancy and then Mojda said, man, that'd be a great idea. So, you know, based on who brought forth some of those ideas in the meeting, kind of put together that group and then included some learners on there. Um, And then I think the TTM paper is going to be kind of stemmed from the process of the, from the program committee, who are the speakers at the talk or who are the other potential speakers if those speakers fell through. And that's kind of the basis for, for those things. So um, yeah, just being involved, having your name, your face in different meetings with different people, never know what that can, you know, manifest. Um, and then a non-critical care PRN note, and I'm bummed that the emergency medicine and critical care PRN business meetings seem to happen at the same time. Two groups that have the most fun. Um, so speaking of fun, Anthony, anything, bus- anything else business meeting wise that you wanted to hit on? Mm, no, nothing else comes to mind. I think we've covered all the good stuff. Yeah. Shout out to the, shout out to the learners, the students and residents who are at the featured at critical care PRN and at the ACP annual meeting, man, y'all are crushing it. Um, I thought every, all of them I saw were really, really 
they weren't just me too posters. It was really, really well thought out and well done research. So kudos to everyone there. Um, so post business meeting, um, I will say the emergency medicine team had a little bit more of a rallying to get something going afterwards. And we went karaokeing. So Anthony, didn't you have a blast going karaokeing with us? Man, my lungs were a little bit shot by that point. I think in the first half of this, we talked about how I had already been up for, I don't know, 20 hours, getting up at 3 o'clock Georgia time to make it over at a decent hour to participate. And then I had to give a talk the next day. So I was trying to stay tame, but we know how that worked out. Yes, Anthony uh, did not. So we'll we'll get to, get to his in just a second. <laughs> um, now, one question. So uh, I went to karaoke. Um, there was a great crew, um, and I got a question. So when you're at the bar, so I let it leak. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell anybody, but Tuesday was my birthday, and I made the mistake of saying something and letting them know that that happened, right? Monday into Tuesday night, we're at this karaoke bar, and it's my birthday. So I handed a shot. Anthony, what's your what's the... And don't do anything like random, but like what's your least favorite shot to get handed out of like the classic normal people shots? Ooh, either probably warm tequila. I don't, that's exactly what I got. It's exactly what I got was tequila. I mean, tequila is okay, but warm tequila is awful. I don't like tequila. I'm team, I'm team whiskey. (laughs) I made that known, but yes, that is my least favorite shot uh, to get handed. But uh, this was cool. So my my go to karaoke song, "Friends in Low Places." Shout out Garth Brooks, and I was singing it as I rang in my birthday, as I rang in the the big three five. So that was funny. Um, what was not funny was so the next day my voice was like raspy. I thought it was. You just had that post-conference meeting, right? Nope, turns out I tested positive for COVID the next day. So, um, (laughs) yeah, so that was less fun, but karaoke was uh, awesome. Uh, Great singing. Anthony, what would your karaoke song be? Well, if I was there that night, it would have been Happy Birthday. Did anybody (laughs) get on the microphone, like loudspeaker, and sing Happy Birthday as a group for you? Oh, they tried. Are you kidding? Yes, everyone tried to do (laughs) all of that despite... Uh, my me trying to 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 get it to stop but yes oh yeah that definitely happened okay good now what did you do uh well like i said i had been up for a long time so i was trying to play it easy so i sat at the hotel in the hotel lobby bar and was just gonna get a cocktail or two um i was there with i think maybe one or two people and then i was gonna like call it a night and then when you're in that close proximity to the conference, like three or four people show up and then another two or three people show up. Snowball. Yeah. So we sat and um, the bar at the, in the hotel lobby shut down. And then some people had the bright idea of either keep it going or they were really hungry. And so quick search led us to an Irish bar, a couple blocks down Um, on the way there, we passed a group of people and, I was like, I mean, they were all in suits and stuff, like all professionally dressed. I'm like, oh man, those people are definitely pharmacists. 
And turns out one of them, Taryn Bynum, who this is the first conference I've ever met her in real life, but we're working on a paper together. And she was in the group. So I like snatched her and I was like, hey, come hang out with all of us. Oh, no, I'm, you know, it's late. I mean, it was, it was pretty late. I'm like, look, this is the reason you come to conferences. This is networking. Like, this is the how you meet new people, how you make connections, you know, all those things. So we went to the Irish bar, um, got some food, and um, I introduced them to duck farts, which if anybody knows me, that's my probably my favorite go-to um, shot. And then I, the next day I got home. And I was like, man, where is my education award? Wait, let me. So I got a text the following day at 1341. Did you pack up my education award this morning? So, Anthony, I got to ask, did you lose your award? Well, okay. So let's, if you're going to read that text, you got to go to the next one. So Nick had already been home for probably like five hours because he flew out early. I'm sure you had a good post-conference nap. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to start unpacking soon. I'll let you know what I find. (laughs) Turns out he did not find it. I called the Irish bar. I talked to everyone that was at the table with me there. None of them had it. Um, And I called the hotel. Hotel said, um, you're going to have to call us back tomorrow because our like cleaning crew, they don't report back and with lost items until like a certain time. So I just had to wait, but nonetheless, yeah, I think, I think he's a goner who, what's our best theory as to who has it right now. I have no idea. (laughs) I would love to, I would love to see it in like a Dallas pawn shop. Oh gosh, yeah. Or you know, somebody may have found it. They are going to send it to me in the mail, and it'll just be like a random surprise. And then you'll actually have the Dwight Schrute. Well, you'll have two of the exact same. Man, it comes full circle. I like that. Well, and shout out to the PRN um, because they not only sponsor your podcast, they are also sponsoring my replacement award. <laughs> One of those things where it's like good to know people. So, you know, I work closely with Susan Smith, who's currently the chair. And she said, you know, we will, we will, um, we will get you a replacement, but you will also never live this down. So hence why, hence why we're talking about it here. And (laughs) Hey, hey, you're all the dirty laundry. If we're thinking glass half full, you're probably the first person to ever get two plaques for the same award. True. (laughs) In the same year, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so uh, the other thing that we noted was um, you had a talk on the last day from theory to bedside, the nuts and bolts of building a stewardship program. So uh, I was unable to join. Let me know. Let the listeners know. How did it go? Um, It was good. So this was not a talk sponsored by the PRN, and that was the TTM talk that we talked about um, earlier. Um, This was from ACCP more in general. This is the one where um, (laughs) you said, theory to bedside, that's like not a great title. I'm like, turns out that was the title of my stewardship paper in AJHP. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the talk was good. When we, the the one thing I will say, when we were first invited to do the talk, Um, I spoke first and I was like laying the foundation of just innovative stewardship practices in general. And then the two folks after me were talking about 
um, anticoagulants and opiates um, stewardship initiatives that they're doing at their shop. And because I was laying the foundation, I was given 30 minutes and both of them were given 20 minutes. And then we had 20 minutes for Q&A because it was an hour and a half talk. Man, I got up to the podium. My timer had 20 minutes. And so for all of those that were in attendance, first of all, hats off. Y'all are the real heroes um, showing up to a talk on the last day of conference. Um, you know, and it was a full day of conference too. So yeah, shout out to you guys for being there. But also, man, I had a lot of jokes that I just felt like I couldn't really, I didn't have time to let them land. Um, because I was like really rushed for time given that they chopped, you know, a third of my, of my talk off. And they, they chopped the best parts is what I'm hearing. They chopped all how many, for those who have, who have got to see Anthony talk one of the things that I would say is a trademark of, of Anthony Hawkins is when he's going through a presentation, a slide will just have one, like a picture of something, or maybe it'll have two objects that feel not only completely unrelated to each other in your mind, you see them and you're like, well, I have no idea how this applies to stewardship or fluid <laughs> stewardship. So did you have to pass? Did you have to, did you have to fly by any of those? There were a few that I definitely did have to fly by, but most of the time my picture will, you know, like there'll be some animations and then it will come with some words that will, um, you know, tie back to it. But I did have one picture that had, or one slide that had a picture of an elevator and a picture of a mirror. And so that I couldn't bypass that. Like, I, I mean, I did go over the red light on the, on the podium. That's one thing as a speaker at ACCP, they got the lights on the top and man, you talk about like accountability for the audience. Everybody can see the color of my light. And so when it turns yellow, you know, you got five minutes and when it's red, you're cut. Um, Do they cut your mic? I I, I went over the red light probably by two minutes because like I said, I was given 20 instead of my initially invited 30, but I did have to take, take some time to specifically reference or explain my, elevator mirror concept well you answer my question they don't cut your mic okay so soft stop <laughs> yeah um the it kind of leads in um to kind of final thoughts and you know in terms of i i want to kind of jump from something that you hit on which was the last day was a full day of education it felt like the the like the it was on purpose that like the first and last day had like some of the best content it felt very spread out when you're trying to and the fellows dinner was even the day before so like man trying to like be on it at a conference for five days that's a long time yeah and i I mean, it, it, it is tough to be away for that long. I mean, obviously, they're trying to play their cards smart to get people to stay for the long end. But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is either people are going to show up a day late or they're going to leave a day early. And so if you're going to put good content on the first or the last day, there's going to be more empty rooms. So I, I get why they're doing it, but you got to know that people are going to do that. So you got to put the stuff that you think is going to be the most highly attended in the, in the center to get the best attendance. Yeah. If you want if you want eyes on it, you've got to put it in a place where the eyes are going to be on it. Um I loved the you know we hit on I loved the research posters. I wish there was a way and this is this isn't just ACP, this is conferences in general. It we got to find an easier way to like sort through or to be able to browse research posters. I don't know if there's a perfect way yet. 
Um, but having to go through and click each individual one, it's tough. It's tough, time-consuming. I feel like it, it leads to you possibly missing out on some, some really great research that got presented. Because I think this conference had, had tons and tons of it. Yeah, I think the app could be a little bit more user-friendly in that regard. Or when you submit an abstract, you have to choose a few keywords or one or two major um, content areas. And then the app could allow you to search critical care or ID or, you know, yep. whatever it is. Um, I had a great time. I had a great time at the at the 2023 ACP annual meeting. Um, definitely felt sm- like a smaller overall meeting than some of the past years. Would you, would you agree? I didn't go last year. Is this, was this a similar vibe to last year? Um, I believe it was, it was bigger last year. It was in San Francisco. I'm trying to remember because last year we had ACCP and SCCM, like just three months apart and four both months in apart. San Francisco. Yeah. And both in San Francisco in the same hotel. So it's oh, kind of hard to remember exactly which one was which, but nonetheless, I did feel like this one was, uh, a little smaller and we already talked about my thoughts about it being in November. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, less, I feel like there was less other things besides the clinical sessions, which I don't know if it's necessarily good or bad, but just a note, you know, I've always pointed out, I think ACP is unbelievable for networking. Um, I think there were still tons of great faces, lots of pharmacists that we were able to connect with, but it just felt like a little less than normal, but this just may be the new conference normal. It may just be that reduced presence, have coming virtual, like having a virtual presence and things might be the way of the future. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, you know, SCCM is doing something similar to that, where they have some content that's specifically available online, or you have to record your, if you're going to do a talk, you have to record it in advance and also give it live. So it's like a little bit more double work. I think we talked about that at the SCCM recap. Um, but man, I think, I mean, if you're there just for, to get education, then sure. A virtual conference is great, but it completely negates the networking. It's not the same. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, if it's a decent substitute, but it doesn't take the place of it. Like, I think maybe that's the hope in some cases. Um, we gotta make, we gotta make pharmacy less formal. There's been a movement. It's gaining traction over a couple years. Um, clearly we have some headway to go based on the, uh, number of full three piece suits that we saw throughout all the conference. Um, I mean, we, Anthony, you're a part of, you're a part of the movement as well. Um, what do you think are the things we can do to help make pharmacy less formal? I think a good first step, I mean, obviously it's going to be, you know, it's not a sink or swim. Don't jump right in. You can ease in if you need to. Absolutely. First thing, at least for guys just commit to never wearing a tie again. We, you don't ever wear it in the ICU. So just don't, you don't wear your white coat. I mean, a lot of people probably don't, 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 don't wear a tie and just start with not wearing a tie. And then when you start feeling more comfortable, then you can swap out your slacks for some chinos. You can lose the coat and you'll, you'll work your way down. Then start adding a little bit of flair, some color, some designs to your shirts and we'll, we'll get there. And leaders, this this starts with you too, because if if we have people looking up and they see nothing but people in suits, right? They're not going to be comfortable, kind of being dressed down. So we gotta we gotta make it across the board. Um, 
And then final thoughts on Dallas. What do you think? Is this a, is this a comeback conference city? Is this a mat? Or is this a, a, a DNR, do not return conference city? You know, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that yet because I was only there for 24 hours and I didn't get a chance to go eat barbecue. And the two times I went out to eat, I went with two different groups of people and they chose the exact same restaurant. The first time I was with you. So that Mexican restaurant, like something about beans, it had beans in the name. Yeah, that was a great went, lunch spot. You went back for dinner. I went, same, I went for lunch twice. Oh, the and next lady, oh, on Tuesday. He said, oh, you were here yesterday. <laughs> no, they recognized you. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I I enjoyed it. I think it was I think it was fine. It didn't stand out as like a we must return, but it's not. It wasn't a city that I'm I would like dread coming back to if if it returned. So I like it. ACP annual meeting 2023. First time we've had to do a part one and part two recap, but it was kind of good to get some perspective a little bit. Um, it would have come back. We're recording this today. It's going to get released today. Uh, hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. Anthony, brother, I'm thankful for you. Have a great holiday. And uh, listeners of the pod, friends of the pod, we'll talk soon. So thanks again to Anthony, to the Critical Care PRN, uh, all the friends of the pod that came up at the ACP annual meeting, won an awesome time. I uh, lo- always love uh, meeting everybody. What an awesome meeting. Um, always enjoy getting to highlight everything that happened there. Uh, reach out, of course, on the socials at pharmacy2dose, T-O-D-O-S, uh, via email, pharmacy2dose at gmail.com, or, of course, via the website, pharmacy2dose.com. And until next time, I'm Nick Peters, and this is pharmacy to dose the Critical Care Podcast. The Critical Care PRN optimizes drug therapy outcomes by promoting excellence and innovation in clinical pharmacy practice, research, and education. For more information, go to critprn.accp.com. Again, that is critprn.accp.com. The podcast provides general information only does not offer individualized medical or professional healthcare services, including pharmaceutical advice. The contents and materials in the podcast are not intended to be a substitute for inpatient pharmaceutical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Use of the contents and materials on the podcast does not constitute a pharmacist-patient relationship. As a result, the information in and materials linked to this podcast are applied at the user or patient's own risk. Users and patients should consult their physician or personal healthcare professional. Users or patients should not ignore or delay seeking care because of something they heard on this podcast. In case of an emergency, the user or patient should contact their physician, call nine one one, or go to the nearest medical emergency facility. The views and statements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and should not be interpreted to reflect the official position or policy of ACCP or the Critical Care PRN. ACP and the Critical Care PRN disclaim any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or any other damages, including without limitation, loss of profits arising out of any use of reference to, reliance on, or inability to use the podcast, its contents, and materials.